Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, this is Luke from Sound of Fury, and you're listening to Talking Metal. The best hard rock, the best heavy metal, Talking Metal, a podcast hosted by Mark Striegel and John Astronomy, available through iTunes and most other podcast providers. Feel the power, feel the glory, TalkingMetal.com. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. We are at the Harrison Green Room in Harrison, New Jersey, right by the PATH station. John took the PATH out from Jersey City. I actually drove my car and I actually have to unfortunately drive my car home so I'm going to make this probably uh, my last drink or second to last drink. Let's do a big talking metal toast right here. Uh, Brooklyn. I'm drinking a little Brooklyn beer. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some Patron Cafe. Sweet Patron. That's Axel's drink. Remember when, uh, after that first Guns N' Roses concert at uh, the Hammerstein, we hung out with Axel and Bumblefoot and Brain and all the guys down at, what was that, the Soho House or something? Yeah, Soho House. And uh, Axel actually had some special Patron brought in for that night. And he gave that information exclusively to Emily. Emily had the great opportunity to be one of the only people to really connect with Axel that night. Yes, that's true. And you know who else, over the years, I think it took a little while, but Bumblefoot is really connected with, with Axel. And, and I think that's a real strong bond there in Guns N' Roses. And we are so excited for the new song that is coming out on Rock Band. And uh, just a lot of exciting stuff coming soon from Guns N' Roses. We've always had the confidence in Axl Rose, and uh, Talking Metal has been supportive of the new Guns N' Roses, and we cannot wait for what's about to happen. Yes. Massive stuff. We hope. We hope. Anyways, who's on today's podcast? We're doing kind of a punk punk metal, talking punk metal today, right? This is talking punk metal. We've got Luke Metcalf from Sound and Fury, and basically... If you put ACDC and Sex Pistols in a UFC boxing ultimate fighting ring, you get Sound and Fury. Great band. Great guy. We met up with him at a real cool hotel in Midtown. Kiss used to stay at that hotel all the time. I actually met Gene Simmons in the lobby of that hotel, and he yelled at a guy because the guy was too drunk. Were you with me then? I can't. I absolutely was with you, and uh, luckily Talking Metal wasn't doing a podcast, or maybe we were a little more tame at that point. But and John wasn't the drunk guy he was yelling at, yeah. I promise. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Believe me, I would have uh, probably uh, went into seclusion after that. But what happened was the hotel used to be called the Riga, Riga Royale, and Gene just looked at this guy, and he said, Man, you are a disgrace. The poor guy was trying to tell Gene how great he was, and it was after the concert, and a lot of fans found out this is 96, after one of the four sold-out Madison Square Garden concerts they did on that tour, and fans found out where they were staying, and uh, 
were all there when Gene came back, and and this poor drunk guy got ratted out by Gene Simmons. All he wanted to do was shake Gene's hand, but uh, hey, that's the way it goes in rock and roll, you know? I think it's actually sad. I think Gene has good intentions that he wants to let people know that he doesn't like people who are, like, too drunk or anything, but... Gene, Gene is racist against people who drink. Correct. He does not like anyone who drinks or smokes, even. And, uh, unfortunately, this poor guy probably loved Gene and then had to leave knowing that Gene said he was a, quote, disgrace. Yes. And I don't like anybody who doesn't drink, except for Gene. He's a good guy. Yeah, Gene's the only person. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, no. We we like everybody here at Talking Metal, but uh, we're here to talk today about Luke Metcalf's Sound and Fury and this great new band that we got turned on to because of our good friend Chip from Chipster Entertainment. That's correct. And Chip, thanks for turning us on to to these guys. We're going to get into the interview in just a bit, but let's get into some music right now. This is I'm American by Stuck Mojo. These guys are out of Atlanta, kind of got a rap metal thing going on, which I know some people aren't probably going to complain about. But I actually like this song, I'm American by Stuck Mojo. was I'm American by Stuck Mojo here on Talking Metal. We are at the Harrison Green Room, Van Halen on the jukebox. What's going on, Mark? A couple things going on. We got Ian Christie now has his own publishing company. He's putting out books, uh, and some of them by other authors besides himself. Swedish death metal is like... uh, 
3,000-page Bible, man. <laughs> this thing is massive. It's not really 3,000 pages, but it's very big and uh, 446 pages. I just finished Moby Dick, by the way. It's like over 500 pages. Great, great American classic if you haven't read it. But uh, check out this new book on Ian's publishing company, which I uh, forget the name of it, but you know, it's called Swedish Death Metal. The author is named Daniel Erkroth, E-K-E-R-O-T-H. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. He was recently on a edition of Ian's show on Sirius Satellite Radio, Bloody Roots, and they were talking about the book and stuff. And, and it is a great read. I just started it, and uh, a lot of great stuff, very educational for anybody looking to learn about Swedish death metal. And conveniently, that's the name of the book, Swedish Death Metal, a big talking metal toast, dude. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, John? I'm doing really well. A lot of stuff going on. A big talking metal welcome to IFC, the Independent Film Channel, is now an official sponsor of the Talking Metal podcast. We are so psyched to check the Z-Rock show out. This looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Sebastian Box actually in an episode. Very, very cool. I've always been a fan of IFC. Uh, Henry Rollins actually used to be on IFC and maybe still is. I used to love that show. And it was interesting because it was like interview stuff. And then like in the last segment was, uh, um, you know, the last segment was like usually live music. Kind of similar to the Talking Metal on Fuse show. And uh, weird side note, we put an offer out to have Henry Rollins actually come on the Talking Metal on Fuse show to talk some metal because we know he does enjoy Dio and Black Sabbath with Dio and Black Sabbath with Ozzy. He's a big fan of that stuff. Uh, And he uh, declined. So uh, I'm not sure why, but anyways, whatever. Speaking of Fuse, we're back, man. Fuse.tv. We got a blog going. Fuse came to us and said, guys, what if we pay you to do a blog? And we said, for money, we'll do anything. I will do just about anything except for gay stunts, as Richard Christie may do for money. Yes. So, anyways, check out Fuse.tv. Maybe we'll link it through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. We're doing a blog every day, every weekday, Monday through Friday. A new Talking Metal blog goes up. And... Hopefully we'll get some uh, good stuff going on the blog. And no offense to Christie, that was a joke. That was a reference to one of the uh, samples on TalkingMetal.com that was on Howard Stern's Howard 100, where actually it was on the Howard Stern show where the announcer said, Richard Christie will be on Talking Metal. No, not to do gay stunts, but to drum. And you can listen to those clips from the Howard Stern Show on TalkingMetal.com. John has them up and linked, and they're ready to go. And, yeah, uh, Richard Christie, who recently admitted his drinking problem is due to the fact that he never made it in music. He admitted that to Howard on the Stern Show. I think that's false, though, because I think he did make it in music. Because, A, he was on Talking Metal. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. No, a, he was in Iced Earth, a great band. He was in Death, and uh, he's a great drummer. He's a great, great drummer that I admire 100%. Howard was like, well, maybe you, you should have just joined a band that was a little, little better, a little more commercial, uh, like Foo Fighters or something. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, nobody knows 
when they form a band, who's going to make it and who's not going to make it, you know? And I think anybody that's got an album out in malls and in regular record stores nationwide has made it. Right. Well, he pointed to Metallica, saying that he never made it like Metallica made it. And the, the fact is, nobody has. I believe they're the biggest-selling metal band of all time. Uh, James Hatfield just turned 45 last Sunday. And uh, speaking of people turning down Talking Metal... It is official. Metallica, we had a real good connection, real uh, close to uh, uh, Q Prime and all those Metallica people. And uh, we have been turned down. The rejection letter came from Warner Brothers, actually. And they are passing on a Talking Metal interview. We've interviewed Slash. We've interviewed Ozzy numerous times. We've interviewed Rob Halford, Lamb of God, Killswitch Engage, a lot of big bands. Uh, classic metal bands as well as contemporary metal bands, and Metallica has decided they will pass, which is sad because I have been a Metallica fan since the early, early days. I got into them right when Ride the Lightning came out. I have the Ride the Lightning album before it was released on Elektra. I have the original Megaforce release of that. Uh, I was one of the few people who... did not go online and trash St. Anger. I thought there was some actually good moments in that. I know some of you guys might disagree with me, but I, there's, I, I recently went back and listened to it, and I, I kind of liked it. I don't like the snare drum, but besides that, you know, it was an experiment. Lars has said that. It wasn't anything more but a Metallica experiment. What you're going to hear with a new record is a return to the classic sound. Here's the deal, guys. I played Motor Breath and Whiplash at my either 8th or ninth grade recital. Can't remember. And uh, I don't think this chapter has yet been closed. We've never said a bad word about these guys because we don't have any bad words to say about them. They are the true metal giants, Metallica. And somebody suggested on the Metallica uh, com. I guess Metallica have their own forum, and a lot of people have been debating why they passed on the Talking Metal interview on the actual official Metallica forum, which is kind of wild. And some people said they don't like to be involved with shows that have the word metal in the the title and they feel the metal community turn their back on Metallica. I can tell you that is not true. John and I are are two metalheads. We're talking to metalheads all the time the metal community never turned their back on metallica i do not agree with that whatsoever uh in the recent krang magazine though it is uh, proof that metallica hasn't turned their back on metal they're covering a maiden song remember tomorrow we've always known that metallica has never turned their back on metal yes that's true remember tomorrow the maiden classic you chris maria jeff and myself we actually covered a maiden song from uh, Number of the Beast. We did Run to the Hills. It was amazing. And In This Moment is a band that we've always loved from day one. Those guys rock. And I'm so excited for the new record, which I believe is coming out in September. We will have, uh, hopefully, some uh, info on that soon. Chris is coming to New York. I believe Maria is, too. And uh, hopefully we'll get to hang out with those guys later this month. I didn't even tell you that. Chris emailed me the other night and said they're on their way. They're coming to New York, and he wants to meet up. Anyways, there was a thread going actually in the Talking Metal on Fuse section of the forums 
TalkingMetalForums.com, run by John Casamano, a.k.a. Exciter, uh, where we were talking about corporate America and how downloading has affected the music business and stuff. And I just wanted to clarify uh, things on my behalf so I don't come off too uh, pro-corporate America. Listen, downloading has affected the music industry, and you cannot question that. There are different theories as to why. I think the main reason is just because it's so simple, but it is true that the industry fought downloading when they should have embraced it. They fought it because they knew that it, it, they were going to lose money because of it. Uh, they should have seen the writing on the wall and embraced it regardless. Uh, there's part of me, I, I see both sides of this, guys. The, the, the bands are getting hit hard by this. On the other hand, the labels are getting hit harder, and the labels have been ripping off bands and and you know taking advantage of of artists and musicians for years. And maybe the fall of the labels is not a bad thing. Part of me believes that. Another part of me believes that if it weren't for major labels, there are lots of great albums that are so dear to my heart, metal and outside of metal, that that just would have never come out sounding like they sound and and they wouldn't have been marketed like they were marketed so i believe me i go back and forth between both sides of this debate and uh the bottom line is if you like a band support the band if you like in this moment go buy their new record when it comes out if you like two songs off the new record and you don't like the rest of the record go download those songs on itunes and pay for them you know, when when the tip jar comes around, put your dollar in it. You know, I used to go to open mic nights when I lived in the East Village. Uh, actually, a couple crazy stories, sitting next to Jeff Buckley at open mic nights at the Sidewalk Cafe and stuff. Uh, that's for another show. But anyways, um, if I heard a, somebody get up there that I liked, I would always put some, some money in the jar for them, you know. And I used to get up there and do some open mic nights, too, um, playing acoustic and whatnot. Anyways, I've had a few beers, as you may be able to tell at this point. I'm going a little crazy here, rambling. All I'm saying is support, you know, when you can. Support what you believe in. If you believe in a band, throw your dollar down, you know. Support the bands you believe in. Buy a t-shirt at the show. Go see them live, although... Most of these bands, even if they sell out every show, they're still losing money live unless they're, you know, Iron Maiden or Kid Rock or something uh, because it just costs so much money for a band like Into Eternity to go on tour. They don't make money when a band like that is touring. They're, they're out there promoting their album. Blah, blah, blah. I'll shut up now. Here's John. Um, I got a letter, guys. This is from Arturo, also known as the Crazy Chemist. Hey guys, congrats for your most excellent podcast. Sounds like Bill and Ted. Yes. Well, we've been compared to Bill and Ted, Beavis and Butthead, and uh, Wayne and Garth. I like the Wayne and Garth comparison, though. Guess who I look like today, actually. A group of people saw me on the PATH train and could not think of the words Marilyn Manson and actually called me Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Maybe they were referring to Charles Manson. They may have been. And I heard them say, it looks like if it's not him, it's his brother. And then a few seconds later, I heard somebody go, Charles Manson. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't know what to say to that. That's pretty funny, isn't it? Yeah, no, that is funny. That's what happens in Jersey City. Okay, here's the letter. Hey, guys, congrats for your most excellent podcast. I'm a metal fan from Tijuana. Following you guys since last year, and I want to ask you if you could please do me an interview with Bruce Dickinson or Dio, my two favorite vocalists ever. Now, Mark, we have another listener from Tijuana. Who is that? I don't know. Bert Gabriel. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's like, he's uh, back and forth between San Diego and Tijuana. This might be Burke Gable's friend. Here's what it says next. Praise to Mr. Astronomy for being such a cool alien metal freak. Just viewed the pics on your website. I just recommended your podcast to all my metalhead buds here in Tijuana, guys. Thanks for the attention and keep on rocking. Up the irons, the crazy chemist from Tijuana, Mexico. South of the border, rocking it out the right way. Thank you, crazy chemist. You may replace Bert Gabriel as our favorite metal freak south of the border. Who knows? Anything's possible. Bert Gabriel, if you're listening, you got to step it up a bit. Haven't heard from that guy in a while. Anyways, uh, Bert Gabriel, where are you? Uh, next letter. This we got to wrap this up, dude. Things are getting a little crazy here. Things are getting nuts, man. When Talking Metal gets together, you never know what's going to happen. Hi, Mark and John. I just wanted to write you a note to say how much I enjoy the podcast, and please keep up the great work. I heard you guys saying that you were both born in 1969, as was I. This is a letter from another fellow old man by the name of Jan. Uh, Where did I leave off? Jan. Yeah, Jan. I got into metal during the whole trash era. I think he means thrash era. Bands like Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, and Megadeth. Uh, and, of course, Exodus, Overkill, Nuclear Assault, Creator, and Testament. Since I discovered your podcast, it has renewed my love for metal and made me go back and listen to all those bands from back in the day. Uh, I work in the film post-production industry here in Vancouver, and we do color timing work on shows like Tin Man, a movie that Mark talked about on the show. Uh, that's true, Jan. I did work on Tin Man, and I am very honored that it's been nominated for some Emmys. I was the lead senior writer-producer for marketing of the Tin Man movie, sci-fi's highest ratings of all time. All right, enough of that. Anyways, back to your letter. Despite my advancing years, I still play guitar in a rock band, Black Mondo Grass. We have a MySpace page at myspace.com slash blackmondograss. Uh, there are a few rough demos up on the page and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, uh, he asks if we have uh, hearing problems uh, and if we wear earplugs. I try to wear earplugs. I kind of uh, summarized the rest of your letter, Jan. Sorry, I'm not in any condition right now to be reading long letters. Uh, yes, I, I have a constant ringing in my ears uh, from all the loud music. I went for a hearing exam when I was 19. I was told I had damage to my hearing at that point. I am now 38, and I haven't been back since I was 19. I'm a little scared to go back, but I try to wear earplugs as much as possible. 
um, actually uh, think I can hear the music better with earplugs now, and that may just because I'm be because I'm used to them. By the way, I listen to your band. Good stuff. It's definitely not metal. It kind of is. It's got its own thing going on. A lot of a lot of uh, different influences I hear. They're probably more alternative bands than metal bands, but nonetheless, great stuff from Black Mondo Grass. And uh, thanks for working on Tin Man with me. I didn't even realize uh, you worked on the show. And uh, we are all very proud of that show at Sci-Fi. I just actually was on a conference call a couple hours ago with a bunch of people from Vancouver talking about our new show, Sanctuary, which premieres in October. Jan, thanks for your letter, and good luck with your band and everything that you're doing. And by the way, speaking of hearing damage... I can barely hear it all anymore, and I'm really, really upset about it. And uh, what's funny is that Mark and I have been jamming with Dan Lorenzo and Ron and Alan, all great Hades members. And uh, the problem is that I can't even wear the earplugs anymore because I'm, like, at the point where I can't hear properly with them. So Mark is on the other end of it where he can hear better with the earplugs, and I can't. And I'm very disturbed by that fact, so... I, I think that I may need to really, like, seek some professional advice on that. So I suggest that everybody wear earplugs when you're going to concerts and when you're jamming with your friends. A public service announcement by John Astronomy. The Patron is seeping into the sponge of a brain. Whatever's left in the brain of astronomy. Kids, be cool, stay in school. Thank you, Jan. One of my favorite friends, Lem Lopez, once quoted, stay in school. That's your favorite friend, Lem Lopez? Absolutely. The first guy I met at MTV. When was the last time you spoke with him? Actually, at the holiday party a couple of years ago, I believe. Oh, really? He was there? Good good for him. I know if you go to Lem Lopez's site, I went there a few years ago just to see what that guy was up to, and there was like... The first picture I saw was him and Paris Hilton. And, wow. Yeah, he was, like, hanging out with a big thumbs up. What's your uh, – everybody hates Paris Hilton. Uh, I'm not one of them. I, I – you know, the verdict's out for me. But uh, what, do you, what do you think of her? I was once feet away from Paris Hilton. I didn't uh, hook up with her or anything, but I was very close to her and saw her perform once. Performing What? Performing one of her new hits at VH1. Actually, you know One what? of her songs. Well, that was more recently. It was a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. A couple of years ago. You know what? I uh, take it back. She was sitting while we were listening to her new song. Wow. Very, very great stuff there, John. I believe Hideous. Is that the guy who had the song Kill Paris Hilton? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Hideous. That guy is a true metal maniac. Well, uh, don't forget about True Metal 666. He's... He's the true metal guy on the forums. Uh, yeah, true metal 666, no doubt about it. That guy. Is He's evil. Guy. He is very evil. And that's a compliment. That's like a good thing. But uh, Hideous is this dude with like massively long hair. He looks like he's going to kill somebody. And uh, that's good in the uh, world of metal. Some uh, female blood creeping onto the forums recently, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. Some New Zealand Velvet, chicks. Velvet uh, Rose. The female stuff is is heating up on the forums. John, you're a single guy. Have you ever uh, made any, let's say, uh, love connections on the Talking Metal forums? What kind of connections? Love connections. Love connections. Um, Well, it seems like some of the female posters on the Talking Metal forums are 
little bit too young for me. They're maybe under 18. That is true. There's a lot of young blood on the forums. Be careful. Look out for any uh, any names like uh, Christina Hansen or something. <laughs> if you're over 18 and you want to make a love connection, contact astronomy at verizon.net. <laughs> Did you get that joke? Chris Hansen, Dateline NBC. Oh, I, I said no, I he, he always goes online with these crazy al- aliases, you know. I'm addicted to that. Uh, predator. Uh, what is it called? The online predator, Dateline NBC. Good stuff. No, I am a fan of all news shows, by the way. You guys, uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, I watch all of them and I tape all of them. And I know every single thing that's happening in the news from every single perspective all the time. So I am 100% for the news, pro-news, and against predators. All right. That's cool. Let's get into this interview, man. I think we've left the punk metal fans waiting long enough. Feel free to edit this podcast as much as you need to. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it up to you to edit this one because this, uh, this is a doozy as far as editing goes. We've taken a 30-minute podcast and taken it down to four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That is definitely true. The Dave Elveson one from the sandbar was literally, we recorded it for, I think, 30, 40 minutes, and it got edited down to four minutes. We do edit these shows. That's not a secret, and we're uh, we're not proud of it. I was going to say we're proud of it, but we're not proud of editing the shows, are we? This is what happens when you've done Talking Metal, the podcast. You went through Talking Metal, the series. It's like the true Hollywood story. What do you expect, guys? We've been through it all. We've got the hard times. We've got the good times and everything in between. What you got is talking metal. And stay tuned. We're, we're trying to work something out for some more TV shows. Nothing has been signed. Nothing has been uh, confirmed. But you will be getting talking metal in other forms besides the podcast real soon. We promise. Absolutely, guys. Right now, we're going to get into an interview with Luke Metcalf from Sound and Fury. Why don't we get into a song that I really like called Bad Touch. We're going to then go into the interview and follow it up with a great tune called 18, which you can see at www.myspace.com slash soundandfuryrocks, the video. Right now, here is Bad Touch by Sound and Fury, followed by the interview that Mark and I did with Luke Metcalf. Stay tuned.
Striegel from the Talking Metal Podcast. We're here in Midtown Manhattan with Luke from Sound and Fury. Luke, how are you? Good, man. Now, did you used to live in New York City? You spent some time here, right? Yeah, briefly. I was kind of drifting around for a while, like after high school and stuff. I lived in a lot of different places. I was in San Francisco and East Oakland and Berkeley and Arizona and briefly in New York for about a month, just kind of crashing on people's floors and then drifted back to Toronto after that. Were you in like Manhattan or were you out in Brooklyn? Uh, both actually. Uh, and I was, I, I was kind of homeless at the time. So I was kind of want just wandering around. So yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool though. Cool. Well, welcome back to New York. Yeah. Welcome to New York city. Now, where is the basement that you recorded 45 songs on the Fostex reel to reel? Ah, uh, yeah, that's in Toronto. That was a solid year. I basically locked myself in the basement, <laughs> gave myself hearing damage, but it was well worth it. I'll tell you, if you came up with riffs like the riff from Bad Touch and Can't Get Enough, it was all worth it completely. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that's where it all came from that year, that year of punishment. <laughs> and you started on drums way back when? Yeah, I started out playing drums for a couple of years. I played drums for a bunch of different bands. And oh, wow. I couldn't find uh, any band that was playing the kind of music that I wanted to play. So I figured out that if I wanted to play my music, I'd have to write it. So I started playing rhythm guitar. I started playing bass. started writing lyrics. started doing vocals. And uh, that took a while, as you can imagine. And then, uh, then I just started constructing you know rough demos and then as i say i spent that year uh recording a whole bunch of rough demos and then i got i called up like i never played lead guitar so i called up my buddy griffin from high school and got him to do some solos over a whole bunch of the demos i had done and then we started talking about putting a band together and we eventually auditioned a bunch of guys and we got john and chris a bass player and drummer and then we were having a real hard time finding the right rhythm guitarist. And um, so uh, we, we had a manager. So I asked him to like put the word out all over the world to all the different managers and agents that he knew. And uh, in the first day, we got like over 200 email applications from all over the world from guitarists for wow. the gig. Yeah. And so uh, we looked at a whole bunch of videos and stuff. And um, this one guy from New Zealand who was living in Australia at the time was really killer. So... I just called him up. I was like, yeah, if you want to come into Toronto to audition, like, do it. And uh, he did and got the gig. Wow. Yeah. Really, really cool. Now, you've had so many great magazines, great publications give you some really cool reviews. Everybody mentions Bon Scott, and my favorite one says, if Bon Scott era ACDC and the Sex Pistols got into a barroom brawl, you'd get Sound and Fury. <laughs> and I love that. Now, were you influenced by Bon Scott? Oh, yeah. Bon Scott, to me, is the absolute undisputed king of rock and roll. I live for the DC. There's my tattoo, oh, man. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's actually exactly what the influences are. I mean, we, got, we all like a lot of different music, but um, you know, we're all huge fans of 70s punk and hard rock. 
And right, like right from the get-go, I wanted to create a band that was like a hybrid of my two favorite types of music that combined like 70s punk, like that ferocious 70s punk style with hard rock, you know, and, and yeah, like Pistols, Misfits, Ramones, you know, combined with like DC and Sabbath and, and with a bit of metal, you know, so yeah, that's what we're all about. Now, some of the bands you've toured with in the past have kind of leaned a little more punk, and uh, you're about to go on the road with Airborne, which lean a little more hard rock. How do you uh, envision the Airborne fans will react to Sound and Fury? Do you think it's going to be a different vibe? Uh, you know, I think, it, I think it'll be pretty similar because it's like, I mean, we're a party man. Our music is to fucking party to. And, you know, whether it's like more leaning towards the punk shows or the hard rock shows, most of the time, like rock fans, you know, of any age when they go out to see a show, whether it's all ages shows or whatever, like they want to go out and party their asses off. So as long as they want to come out and party their fucking asses off, it's going to be good. And uh, yeah, so I think it will get a similar reaction. We went over really great with bands like Sum 41, even like Less Than Jake. I mean, they're, like the, the three other bands on the bill that we just did were pure ska bands. And so a lot of people are like, well, that's not really necessarily a really accurate fit for your band either. But you know what? Those audiences, like a lot of ska fans also love punk. They love rock. And those, those crowds came out to party. So we went over great. You know, I have a, a kind of a funny question. Two of the titles on the record, School's Out and 18, remind me of Alice Cooper. And is that just accidental, or were you into Alice Cooper at some point? Uh, well, actually, 18 was uh, – yeah, I like Alice Cooper, but actually I, I had an idea. The original idea for 18 came because uh, when the Sex Pistols hooked up with Johnny Rotten, he auditioned for them by singing the song 18, Alice Cooper's oh, 18. Cool. And I was like – and I was kind of thinking about, like, when I was writing it, I wanted to write a song about how bullshit it was. Like, you know, when I was, like, 14, 15, 16, I was very capable of thinking for myself and making my own decisions about my life. And I got really sick of people constantly telling me what to do and what I should be and what I should think. And their whole attitude that it's like, you're, you can't think for yourself until, like, when you turn 18, it's like this magic number that, like, suddenly you can think for yourself, you know? It's like, it's like that's just such a fucking load of bullshit. So I wrote this, I was writing this song, and then I was, think, I was reading an article about, you know, Johnny Rotten and auditioning for the Pistols. I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that title. So that, that was that. Tell us yeah. about the, the music video for 18 uh, and where it was shot. Did you guys enjoy doing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was fun. That was great. Yeah, it was just one evening. Like It was only like a five-hour shoot, which is great. And it was in this abandoned cop shop in uh, in Toronto. So, yeah, we just all loved the idea. We just got completely wasted in an abandoned cop shop and shot our video, which is, you know, a real fuck you song. So it was perfect. Cool. It's funny. A lot of bands, you talk to them, and they're like, yeah, it looked like we were having fun, but we weren't having fun. So it's cool to know you guys actually had a good time. Oh, yeah. When we uh, – whatever we do as a band, whether we're shooting videos or playing live or whatever, um, you know, we'll do it as long as there's a huge supply of beer. And our video shoots, yeah, are no different than when we're live. We party our asses off for those because 
they'd be a real drag if we weren't, you know, so. I, I actually think the video shoots you, you have a little more leeway to party because, you know, you're not really playing. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, when you're playing, it's like you do the pre-party, then you play, and it's like you get, you get nicely primed and ready, then you keep partying on stage, and then the, then you take it up to the next level after the show. So, yeah, it's good, though. <laughs> I need to learn how to take it to the next level after the show, not during or before the show. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had another question. Speaking of Toronto, I've been to Toronto once, but I've not had the opportunity to check out the music scene. What is it like up there? Oh, it's good. I mean, Toronto's a huge city, you know, and uh, there's a ton of musicians and, you know, some really good ones. There's a few really good bands. Um, people are pretty supportive of the bands. They go out and see a fair amount of live music. Um, Montreal is a really good town for live music. It's uh, a, a lit, little less of a corporate city than Toronto is and a little younger because it's real college town, right? So uh, that's probably a little better, but it's not as big. So, I mean, it's a trade-off, right? But both are, both are pretty good music scenes. Uh, I was at your MySpace page for Sound and Fury, which I think is myspace.com slash sound and fury. Rocks. rocks. Sound and Fury rocks. Yeah. John's got it down. Yeah. Uh, the Misfits are one of your top friends. I don't know if that's your doing. Yes. Yeah, I love the Misfits, man. I'm a huge fan. I love – two of my favorite albums are Static Age and Misfits Walk Among Us. So I was going to ask you, do you listen at all to the Misfits without Danzig? Uh, I, I listen to some, but like for me, it's like, though, you know, Danzig was like the man. So they're good, though. I mean, they're good with that. I mean, I haven't seen them live. I'd like to see them live. Uh, but yeah, most of my favorite songs are with Danzig. Definitely. You know, it's pretty wild is that Marky Ramone, who Mark and I know, actually played with the Misfits for a while. That's true. He did. Yeah. Did yeah. you know about that? Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. I, I, you know, I would have liked to have seen that, but Mr. Show's. Cool. Now we know that that you're into a lot of the great hard rock bands like like ACDC and the Sex Pistols, the Ramones, Zeppelin from the '70s. What what could we? What would be considered a guilty pleasure for you? Like what might not we? How am I trying to say? What would surprise us if we were looking at your iPod? Like who are you listening to that uh, is a little a, a little off kilter? Maybe a guilty pleasure. Uh Everything on my iPod pretty much fits into to very similar styles of hard rock, metal, and punk. There's nothing that really is all, but di you know, from different periods. Like I certainly I got everything from Motorhead to Billy Idol to you know. Uh, I guess the one would be there's a few Kiss songs that are pretty killer. That if you don't like Detroit Rock City, is definitely on there. So, but it's all. I mean, I'm a, I'm a like rock fanatic. I don't you know. That's it. I, it's all rock or nothing. So Now, I don't know if this is going to bring up negative memories, but I wanted to ask you about being kicked out of three different schools. <laughs> what happened with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, got, I, I went to, yeah, four different high schools. I got kicked out of three schools. And uh, I was just, you know, just being a total asshole and uh, not showing up. You know, a lot of times I just – I mean, I'd show up to school to meet up with my friends, and then we'd immediately go to the park and get wasted all day, or, uh, you know, I mean, just fucking around, and I was always, like, as obnoxious as possible to my teachers, and uh, also, like, a lot of, you know, 
uh, various illegal activities <laughs> got me uh, got me kicked out of a few schools. So, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> I think that's like a badge of honor in this field of uh, rock and roll. Well, it uh, it definitely means I was having a lot of fun. <laughs> now, at what age did you start with the writing and with playing drums and with all that stuff? Well, I first started playing drums when I was like um, – well, I guess, like, I really just started fucking around with, like, uh, you know, like, pots and pans when I was a kid. And then I actually played uh, a drum set for the first time, I think, when I was, like, uh, 13 or 14 years old. And then really started playing a lot when I was, like, 15, 16. Well, we thank you for joining us on the podcast, Luke. And where is the best place people can, A, get the record, and B, check you out online? Well, yeah, we're, uh, our album's in stores all over North America now, our debut album, so I'm pretty psyched about that. Uh, we're also on, like, iTunes, like, we're available online anywhere, you know. And, um, yeah, obviously off our website, too, you know, so. And for you iTunes users, we will have links in today's show notes at TalkingMetal.com, which will open up your iTunes browser, and you can buy Sound and Fury tracks using those links. And I have a suggestion to all the Talking uh, Metal fans. What you need to do is, when we put up the podcast, buy this, some stuff through iTunes and then run out to your actual record store and buy the actual CD because the packaging is killer. I really love it, man. Oh, yeah. They did an insane job. Like, the, the artwork just absolutely blew my mind. It comes with a wicked little poster as well. And, uh, yeah, it was cool because, like, we had these incredible artists in Kansas City and they're asking me what I wanted for the album cover. I was like, yeah, well, I want, like, like killer, like, punk style and, like, lots of skulls and people going insane, like, rampaging anarchy. And they're like, okay. And then they came, came up with that stuff, and I was, like, just fucking blown away by it. It was so good. So, yeah, get the album. Well, Luke, thank you very much, and... We wish you the best of luck on tour, and we're going to encourage everybody to check you guys out, not only on record, but on your tour, which is going to last, I think, up until December. Yeah, yeah, if you're looking for a fucking party, you found it. One, two, three! Something, something.
on Sunday, August 24th at 11.30, the Independent Film Channel presents Z-Rock, a new comedy series about three guys. The girls love it. Who are in a rock band by night. And a kids band by day. <laughs> Z-Rock, based on a kind of true story, with special guests Sebastian Bach, John Popper, Gilbert Godfrey, Dee Snyder, Dave Navarro. Who here has banged Carmen Electra? And Joan Rivers. I'm very excited. You can't tell because I had the Botox this morning. Z-Rock, premieres Sunday, August 24th at 11.30, only on IFC, the independent film channel.